Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Thank you, Allie, and to everyone that is watching online and those of you who are in the building, you can tell I've got a group of students that are with us at 11 o'clock. And we're so excited uh, to be here with you guys, and this will become a rhythm. You'll start seeing us on our Worship Together weekends a little more. And uh, I just we don't do this for, for people to give us accolades, but I do want to affirm one of my students. Uh, Miss Lindsay was standing right here. And she led that last song, and that is the energy that we, we strive to have over in our student ministry for our worship experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how better, how better to prepare the generation to lead if we show them how they should be watching those that lead us now. So just uh, really grateful for all of them. And a special shout out to uh, some of our friends on the campus of the uh, um, University of Kentucky. Uh, Pastor Phil uh, specifically received an email earlier this week where uh, the gentleman that leads that, that ministry on campus thanked him and thanked us as a whole for this series beyond doubt. They've been watching, they've been, been, been applying the things that they've learned and it's helped foster some really good Christian conversations as they minister as a college ministry. So MCC, we are making an impact and you should be excited about that. So um, as we continue in this series beyond doubt, my prayer uh, has been and continues to be that um, you're drawing into what you've heard, what you've learned, and figured out ways that you can apply it to your life based on what you've heard and you've learned. Pastor Phil, about two weeks ago, he taught on the anomaly of trauma. Mm-hmm. He walked us through how trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Trauma can be very hurtful. Mm -hmm. And when someone encounters trauma in their life uh, and someone, you know, um, experiences these types of things, oftentimes they lose hope. And they start asking questions that lead to more doubt. Because uh, how many know it's a lot easier to quit than it is to stay in the fight sometimes. But what's just as important is how we as believers respond to those wayward questions. Mm -hmm. See, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. And while salt does sting when it touches a wound, the main purpose of salt back in the first century was to heal a wound. Mm -hmm. And a metaphor from the first century, salt represented friendships that could be trusted. How many of us need those or would like to have those? You want a friendship that can be trusted, but there are times within a friendship that you may have to say some things that may sting a little, but administer it with love. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, the scripture gives us a way to respond to everyone. When Paul says this, when he says season your conversation here, what he's saying is season your conversation with words of healing. 
What he's saying is season your conversation with words of friendship. Then last week, Pastor Phil spoke about perceived contradictions in the Bible. He shared several of the perceived contradictions. And if you missed last week's message, I want you to go read it and I want you to, to really look at it and, 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 and ponder it. And then after you've looked at everything and, and, and you've checked out all of those contradictions, I charge you this, investigate the scripture. Not to prove whether or not Pastor Phil knew what he was talking about, we knew that. But it helps you to understand how people see not just the church, but the Bible, scripture, how they have their conversations, how they step into different things. Do whatever you do so that you get understanding of what God is saying to us through his scripture all the time. And I caution you not to let your faith in Jesus hinge solely upon someone's strong view. Mm -hmm. See, there are many opponents of our faith, young people. Many opponents of our faith and, 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 and the many opponents of our faith love to get us to push us to a point of, we, they hope, deconstruction. They hope they can push us to a point where we doubt enough that we start to rethink this thing that we call Christianity. Deconstruction is this. It's the identification of the constructed elements of one's faith followed by the dismantling of each core belief in order to discern what might be useful, abandoned, or redefined. Their whole plan is to shoot holes in your theory. Their whole plan is to shoot holes in, in our belief and, and was Jesus real and, and, and did he actually die on a cross or well you know that he was actually hung at eye level and not on this really high mountain like the Bible says and they're looking for anything they can do, anything they can say to keep you from believing what you know. Did you hear that? They're trying to convince you not to believe in what you know. See, the primary means of them encouraging people uh, to embrace this pathway, it comes in the forms of two questions. Two kinds of questions, actually. The helpful questions. These are the questions that are asked in order to find helpful answers. Mm -hmm. And then you have the unhelpful questions. These are the ones that people ask in order to find increasing doubt. So today, as we continue in this series, I want to speak about another anomaly that we all know too well, and that is the anomaly of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Hypocrisy is professing one thing while acting contrary to one's profession. Do as I say and not as I do. As they say one thing and then they do another thing. Hypocrisy is when you make a declaration of something and then you do the opposite of that. You give instructions to people, hey, do this, and then they see you do something else. Hmm. So Pastor DJ, how might hypocrisy lead to deconstruction? I'm glad you asked. You know, I like good questions. You guys ask great questions. Here's how. Here's how, Erica, right here. I'm so glad to see you. Hi, Kennedy. So, so see, people will take all of the hurt and all of the disappointment and all of the confusion that's generated from hypocrisy, and then they will decide, Brett, why bother? Is this Christianity thing worth it all? 
is, 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 is this something that I really need to keep doing? Because, you know, I told you it's easier to quit than it is to stay in the fight. And those are the thoughts that lead people to the point where they want to think about another way. Let me find a different way to do this. This faith thing is a little too hard. So let me try something else. And that, my friends, is what cracks the door to deconstruction. Just that, just that little bit right there, Alex, cracks the door to the thought of deconstruction. But let me help you. Let me help you. Uh, this is a declaration that I penned uh, and something that I've been reading and inspiring myself with even through this series. Christianity stands on the person of Jesus. And Christianity cannot be invalidated because of the hypocrisy or mistakes of imperfect Christians. Doesn't matter how bad someone gets or how, hypocr how hypocritical they are. The truth is Jesus is still the way. <laughs> and if they fall, we still have to stay hold of what we believe. There's this book. Uh, it was a gift to me. Uh, and it's called The Problem of God. And chapter 9 speaks to the problem of hypocrisy. I love this quote. It says this. It says, the greatest liar has his believers. And it often happens that if a lie be believed only for an hour, it has done its work. And there is no further occasion for it. Falsehoods fly. And the truth comes limping after <laughs> So that when men come to be undeceived, it's too late. The jest is over and the tale has had its effect. Understand this, people. Everyone can be telling the same lie. Miss Amy, if I, if I tell Miss Amy a lie and then she tells it to Aaron and they tell it and they never verify if I was telling the truth, guess what? Everybody's telling the same lie. I've heard it said that a lie can travel halfway around the world, John, before the truth puts on its shoes. They attribute that to Mark Twain, but they can't really definitively say that Mark Twain, Mark Twain said it. But I think that's, a tr that's the truth. It's like if a lie is more interesting to talk about. Oh, it's misty and raining outside. Well, I heard there's a tornado coming later. See how that, see how that feels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happens, right? Let me tell you about the Barna Group. The Barna Group is a research and resource organization focused on the intersection of faith and culture. Mm -hmm. So they offer a range of customized research resources and training for to serve churches, nonprofits, businesses, and leaders. Okay? Well, back in 2007, they asked several non-Christians why they rejected Christianity to the surprise of the Barner Group and probably to the surprise of some of you, none of the top answers had any evidentiary support, meaning that they didn't have anything to back it up. They were just, Taylor, they just were just, that's how they felt. They were in their feelings. So the top three reasons why non-Christians rejected Christianity are as follows. Number one, 91% view Christianity as anti-homosexual. Number two, 87% view Christianity as judgmental. And number three, at 85%, 85% of the people viewed Christianity as hypocritical. And today, 2021, being judgmental is number one and being hypocritical is number two. 
Notice how the other fell off. But now hypocritical has moved up. Of course, we see hypocrisy in mankind um, throughout Scripture, right? And Riley and Abs are going to help me a little bit with this demonstration. Listen for your hearing. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother, your sister's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. (laughs) So... How many of us know people that way? Thank you, guys. How many of us know people like that? They're laboring. I'm like, they're dragging a lumberyard around with them, can barely see. They're trying to do everything, but you're over there with just a little, little, little paper cut. They're trying to do everything in your life because they found everything that's wrong in your life. But, you know, you're looking at them like, really? And they're struggling, but it seems they can see everything that's wrong with you, and they're blindfolded and in the dark, but they can see. And Jesus talks of hypocrisy a lot. He actually used the word hypocrite 17 times. And then he also warns the consequences of hypocrisy. And he described the very symptoms of it to, you know, the Pharisees in his day. Y'all remember the Pharisees, right? They were the religious leaders of the day. You know, they, 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 they went to the temple daily uh, for the prayers religiously. They gave their tithe religiously. You do know that some people lie religiously, right? You do know that some people steal and cheat religiously. So doing something religiously doesn't necessarily make it the right thing to do. Jesus would go on to say the following to the same people. He would say, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. That's their tithe. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That is where people who want to challenge your faith jump in and say things like, didn't Jesus come to get rid of the law? Why would he mention the law? Well, this is Jesus saying this in the New Testament about how matters of the law, as applied properly, are still important. Mm -hmm. You should have practiced the latter Without neglecting the former, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Take it easy. Didn't bring any camels today. We're good. Okay? I don't know about you, but I'm a little confused about why they didn't like Jesus so much. That was a joke. He really knew how to make enemies, right? He knew how to tell people about themselves and to tell them to kind of shape up and fly right, right? However, he was merely trying to push to the reality that we as the believers are to set the standard. As the believers, we're to set the standard. The apostle uh, uh, Paul, P- Apostle Peter, excuse me, tells us, uh, he says, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Mm-hmm. He says that. God is holy and calls us to be holy. When the church was birthed in the book of Acts, the one essential characteristic was be ye holy as I 
am holy. And the Lord would not have told us to be holy if it was not attainable. Sometimes people put things like holiness and righteousness in an unattainable place, Jeffrey. And they say that, how can we do that? And I'm in this sinful flesh. Well, he said, be ye holy as I am holy, which means through the sacrifice of Christ and obedience to him every day, we can stand and be holy. In the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Jerusalem, the most sacred space was the holy of holies. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover over the ark or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. The holies of holies. That's where you go to outer court, inner court. Holies of holies, when you get there, you are in the presence of God. That's why on the Day of Atonement, they would have to tie a rope around the priest's waist and send him back there. Because if his life wasn't right, the rope would go slack, meaning he'd die. And they'd pull him out. And they'd say, who's next? And nobody would raise their hand. See, there once used to be a barrier between us and God. Yeah, that was in the Old Testament. But that's why Jesus came to remove the barrier. He came to remove the curtain. He came to remove the veil. Some Bibles say uh, when he died, the veil was torn. Others say the veil was rent, but the veil was torn up and we had immediate access to God the Father. So now the very presence of God is open to all of us who believe in him and call upon his name. And those of us that believe in him and call upon his name, we are known as the church. That's us. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me. Yeah, yeah. But all churches are made of people. And all people are imperfect. So imperfect people make up imperfect churches. My late godfather, the Bishop Otis Floyd, used to say this. He would say, son, if you ever find a perfect church, don't you join it because you'll mess it up. And it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> And, and I took that to heart. And, and I haven't been searching for perfect churches, but I'm, I'm very cautious in how I speak on a church's operation. Because imperfect people create imperfect churches. Know this, the church is indeed a hospital to the sinner, not a hotel for the saint. It's a hospital for the sinner, not a hotel for the believer. Yes, see, everyone comes to receive, but see, see, the posture we have to take to receive the sinner and to receive the believer are not quite the same, but we have to be prepared at all times to receive both. So we have to understand that there's a charge on us to be a representation of God in the earth. And see, far too often today, the church has become a place of hard opinions very hard opinions, and, and too often the leader or the preacher or the, the teacher, uh, they, they struggle with how they'll be received when they stand strongly against those hard opinions. Needless to say, I'm not one of those preachers. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. See, discipline is welcome when you administer it with love. 
When you administer it in a way that is to upbuild a person and not to tear the person down, and people will receive it. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead to suit their own desires, deconstructionists, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth aside to myths. That's how deconstructionists operate in the shadows. I just need to turn your mind away from the truth (laughs) so that I can fill it with foolishness. Be instant in season and out of season. Bring correction, rebuke, and exhort Do this with all fervency of spirit. Call upon those under your charge, those in your home, those that work for you that are believers, those that are a part of you, those that you have responsible for, that you are responsible for to say, hey, you need to repent, but then you need to believe. The challenges for the church frequently faces today is when the pastor falls to a moral failure. Maybe he had an affair or a Christian they found out was stealing from the company or a believer blew up in this angry rage and they're like, oh my goodness. Or even some televangelist is bilking the, 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 the community or the church for all these dollars while they're hiding their own sin. I mentioned preacher, but that's for any person with a platform, any leader, any person who has the responsibility or the ability to influence And see, when those platforms produce hypocrisy and it it comes from the platform, then a lot of people walk away from the church. Some people run away from the church because they put their faith in the leader and not in God. They have put that person in God's place. That person is still accountable for what they say and what they do, but the people that leave oftentimes committed to a system and not the system. Amen? And some of them will never return to the church again because hypocrisy is a killer. It's a deal breaker. It's it's life-altering. Once it happens, some people never believe again. And some people spend all this time dealing with the trauma of the hurt from the hypocrisy that it caused. So how do we fight and overcome hypocrisy? How can we live a life of integrity? I'm glad you asked. I've got three quick points and I'll be done. Live authentically is number one. Yeah, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with, excuse me, speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. See, everyone listening right now here in this room or online, you just got the answer to your question. I said, live authentically. You ask yourself, how do I do that? By the help of God, that's how. You need to be a person of integrity. When you speak, speak the words of God. God said that his words shall not return to him void, which means they will accomplish everything he sends them to do. So when you speak from what he says and not from what you say, 
you can put an expectation on it because, Craig, he said, he said, as a young preacher, older preachers would be around me and they would say, sometimes you have to put, the pr- put pressure on God's word. Remind him of what he said. Because the onus is not on you to watch the word come to pass. The onus is on you to deliver the word and it won't return back to God void. Number two, live honestly. Live honestly. Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Worthy. Being honest is about following in God's footsteps. Following in the very footsteps of Jesus for he cannot lie. If the Christian goal is to become more God-like and Christ-centered, then honesty must be a focus. Watch this. Honesty is a direct reflection of your inner character and your actions, however big or however small, are a reflection of your level of faith. Let me say that again. Honesty is a direct reflection of your inner character and your actions are a reflection of the level of your faith. Number three, be salt and light. Have to be both. Can't just be one because then there's an imbalance. They will see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, people, the good deeds you do are not for you. No, no, the good deeds you do are not for you, but for everyone that you'll encounter, for everyone that you will talk to, that you will minister to, that you will be in proximity with, that you'll be in rooted groups with. The good deeds that you do are so that they can see the activity of the Father at work in your life. That's what your good deeds are for. Remember I shared earlier that Jesus was not a hypocrite. Yet, all the world gets to tangibly see today is us the believer, the one that's supposed to be the representative of him in the earth. I tell these students, uh, uh, every time I pray, I say, help us to remember, I close every prayer the same way, help us to remember that we may be the only Jesus some people may ever see, so help us to reflect you well. Help us to resemble you well. Help us to represent you well. So ask yourself, when people see you, what does Jesus look like? When you talk, what does Jesus look like? When you're at the coffee pot at the, at the office, what does Jesus sound like? When you deal with people, how does Jesus deal with people? We represent him. So if we are in any way infected with the virus of hypocrisy, other people can become infected and die spiritually. Take this with you today. Christianity does not stand or fall on the way Christians have acted throughout history, nor does it stand and fall on the way Christians act today. Uh -uh. Christianity stands and falls on the person of Jesus alone, and Jesus was not a hypocrite. (laughs) And since he wasn't, and since Christianity depends on him, it is wrong to try to invalidate, hear me, deconstructionists, because they watch. You know, the devil come to church too. They watch. 
It's wrong to try to invalidate the Christian faith by pointing out horrible things that people have done in the name of Christianity. And because that's wrong, you don't want to be found, friends. You don't want to be found as the one who is throwing out the baby of truth with the bathwater of sin. God is still undefeated. And God is still in control. I charge you today to focus on the example of Jesus each and every day. There are several big ideas from today's message. My truest hope is that you will have determined the one you needed the most. But I'm going to give you one. We can never let hypocrisy win. And everything that comes from it. We can never let hypocrisy win. Pray with me. Father, we honor you today. And we thank you for, in spite of all things, this is a day that you have made. And we choose to rejoice and be glad in it because you are God and you are great and you are greatly to be praised. Hmm. You are to be feared above all gods. Honor and majesty are before you. Strength and beauty are in your sanctuary, which is wherever we are when we give you worship or give you praise. Thank you, Father, for leading us through this series well and you will continue to lead us well and we hope and pray father that we represent you the best way we possibly can in each and every encounter of our lives help us to remember that we may be the only jesus that some people may ever see so help us to reflect you well help us to represent you well because we are christ's representers we thank you father now in the name of your son jesus we love you and we bless you amen Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.